You are listening to Country Life with Morgan O'Flaherty on Westermark 102 FM. Folks, you're very welcome. You're tuned to West Limerick 102 FM. I'm your host, Morgan O'Flaherty with Country Life. Um, so the last couple of weeks, whatever, we're at this now. And I suppose, look, changing times or whatever. And I suppose, in case you haven't tuned in with the last couple of weeks, um, we've decided to do a, a name, of, a, a, a brand of car or a brand of tractor or a brand of whatever. Um over next couple of weeks as long as we have brands in there there is a couple of people sending in ideas to us so we appreciate that and keep them coming um this week we have decided that we're going to do fiat um and fiat cars and, and fiat, the, the fiat tractor is a bit of a story but I, I i can tell you that later on myself so keep with us for the next hour or 45 minutes to an hour there thereabouts and um he will tell you the story about Fiat, a bit of the history of Fiat, and um, a bit of Fiat as as an Italian company or whatever, and, and their worldwide plans, and I suppose, really and truthfully, their worldwide domination of, of the tractor and car market for an awful long time. But on the phone to tell us about two fantastic cars that um, he restored is a friend of mine from Tralee, um, Anthony O'Halloran. Anthony, how are you? I'm very well, how are you? Not so bad, Anthony. Anthony, thank you for first of all for coming on with us. Okay, no problem. And I suppose, Anthony, I suppose, I, well, I know you were a long time and you knew my father before me. That's another story. But I suppose we're we're talking about Fiat. You're a big a big Fiat man. We call it. You're you're a big fan of Fiat cars. Uh, well, I suppose I'm. Yeah, I kind of like the cars. Not to be honest. Yeah. My first car was a uh, was a Fiat. And I suppose oh, oh, yeah, like I suppose and were they much cheaper than the than the than we said the, the Japanese cars at the time or the English cars? Uh, well the Japanese cars were in the seventies. Um, they were only just beginning to come on the scene, you know, from the mid seventies. Right. And uh, up to that it's uh, it had a good stronghold foothold in the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um they were about they were a little bit cheaper than the second hand than a lot of the other cars. Right. Fords with say no box houses or something like that or opals. Yeah, and I suppose no. really and truthfully, that's kind of still the way it is today. Well, I think it is, yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. Um, that the parts would get were cheaper as well. Everything was a little bit cheaper. And why was that? Was it just cheaper labour to make them day one, or they just didn't have the after sales? I, I couldn't tell you. I thought it was cheaper to produce initially because labour costs were cheaper. Yeah. Um, at different times, you know, early on, 40, 45, 50 years ago. Yeah, yeah, different different times, like you say. But yeah. you went on then, Anthony, was a, a couple of years ago, we won't say how many years, but you ended up being a sales rep for Feed for a while. Yeah, I was here. I worked in Mechanicates there just as 40 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't leave it. And uh, I, suppose... I was there for a couple of years, 
selling cars. And what was the fate? Was it a hard car to sell? Difficult car to sell. There was public resistance. Yeah. You're, you're dealing with two things really: rust and hard to start. Right. Okay. Now, if you're selling the car new, they were saying, "Look, I'm just going to go back to Fiat garage. Uh, I want to get a, a good trade in." Right. So you're yes. uh, working against that as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the rusting, was the rust a major issue even with new cars or was it just kind of second-hand cars? Or? Uh, yeah, but, uh, after a couple of years, they would uh, develop rust. They would get rusty. Yeah. But you want to, you know, they got a bad name. And I can tell you that the Japanese cars rusted a lot quicker. Uh, the Datsuns at the time. Yes. Masters and all that, they were very, very rusty. Right, yeah. And they, like after four or five years, you could say goodbye to the Japanese car. But the seat wasn't far behind it, don't tell us. And the lot of the British cars, they're rusted as well. Yeah, yeah, they all had the same problem, but feet got the, the same problem. Feet got the bad, the bad name. Yeah, they, I suppose, um, I don't know how true it is, but they say that um, Fiat sold the um, design of the Fiat 124 to the Soviets. Oh, yes. Moscow. Very and good. They did a deal for uh, steel, Soviet steel. And there were too many impurities in the steel when it arrived in Italy and couldn't properly treat it or annealed or worked. Mm-hmm. And it was rusty. Right. It was rusty from the start. Rusted straight away. More or less, they couldn't properly properly treated at all before the it was ever cast and made into the metal sheet yeah. metal for the cars. Yeah, so the I the Soviets then they went on they went on then we could talk you could, they went on to make the lead and stuff out of the field. That was the thing, yeah. They took the, the blueprint from the Fiat one to four. And yeah. there was some deal done. That's what they're saying anyway. Yeah, and as far as I know then the Fiat one two four the I think the the Russians then license that again out to some other car company in Lithuania and it, yeah, it went on and went so. on I suppose yeah. out of whatever about the Fiat and, and the ladders and whatever the Fiat I suppose and even the ladder in itself there was more jokes about the Fiat car and the ladder car than any other car that was ever designed or built well if Fiat is uh, fix it again tomorrow yeah, um, yeah. but really there was only Two issues, yes, rust. But um, the other thing was uh, trying to start it on damp weather. Yeah. The yeah. Fiat car was designed for Italy. And if you're anybody who has been to Italy, yes. you will see immediately why it was designed in such a way. Yeah. Uh, there were small, lively, petty cars with good brakes, good road holding, handling. Mm-hmm. And they were perfect for the narrow medieval streets. Yeah. Or when you go out into the mountains. Italy is a very mountainous country. It is, yeah. And you have narrow, winding little roads. And they're perfectly geared and equipped to deal with it. Yeah, like, like we spoke there the other day about it. And I was telling you about my father. I remember my father having a Fiat 127. <clears throat> and um, it like I remember him taking it to our local mechanic. And he put in plugs and he put in an air filter. But I, I don't think they, they ever changed the points. And that's the main thing of starting the car, like. That was the problem, yeah. Uh, the, the points, contents are uh, plug leads, and uh, the distributor cap needs to be changed. 
about every 5,000 miles outside if we wanted total reliability. Yeah, yeah. And the other problem, there were two things really. In Ireland, they were used to revving the car. Yes. So there's to get the car to go along at about 2,000 miles per minute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the way the Fords were in box holes and all those things. But the feed needed to be revved. Yeah. Like the carbon. And the other issue was uh, there was a way about carbon wrapping in a lot of the Fiat cars. Yes. And there was a, a certain technique and stepped on the car. And if you didn't get it right, you would flood the, the engine. Yeah. Uh, that's what would flood the, the, the plugs and you, you'd never stop it. Yeah, yeah. You, and the more you tried in, the, the worse it was getting, of course. Got, and people were pumping more petrol into it, I should. Yeah. Yeah. There was a simple technique you can do once you did it, probably the car was stopped. Yeah. Well, no, I was going to say there, and one thing, I remember then as well about my father's car, you know, well, it would have been at the time, it probably would have been 10 or 12 or maybe a bit more, 13 or 14 years old, but I remember the Fiat 127, it had, there was a way more, we call it accessories in it, compared to I, I, the equivalent, we'll say Ford Fiesta or something of the same era, you know, the Fiat seemed to be, it seemed to me, to be a kind of, it was a very more advanced car. There was a heap of what we ta- we we consider today would come in a car as standard, but the Fiat had stuff as standard before uh, before a lot of other makes of cars. They had indeed, yeah. They, they had uh, the the top of the two ML. There was a little lever that you'd flick yes. to turn off the car coming behind you with the lights on. Yeah, and that was a feature that was ahead of most other cars. Uh, but the only thing that uh, didn't come on a feet, believe it or not, until the late seventies was uh, a radio. The Mary Fioris arrived at the garage from Fiat and eventually they kind of gave way and they put a radio into the car and it was fitted in the garage before they went out. Right, okay, yeah. And that wouldn't have happened only all the Japanese cars came fitted, radio, factory fitted. Yeah. And why why was that? What was their theory behind? Yeah, it was just penny pinching, but they were all at it, you know. I think the Escots and Cortinas maybe as well. Mm-hmm. They were at the same thing. They were trying to put the car out for a price. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, if you try to sell a car without a radio or air conditioning or something, or I'm sure there's too much rubbish in cars mm-hmm. now. They're, they're completely, completely, and yeah. you know. When you say they're about feet, you know, they were the first with the two-way mirrors and all this. Like, we all know right. I'm strictly a tractor man, but feet, feet were also the very first people in the tractor side of it for differential lock and yeah. the synchromesh gearbox and all this. Like, on, no, so they were yeah. way ahead of their, they were way ahead of their you counterparts. Know, other thing I noticed about them, um, I was to see cars coming in from crashes. Mm-hmm. They'd be picked up and they'd be brought into the garage to be assessed. And if they were written off, they would still come to the garage and have a look at the car. Yeah. And the car could be fairly badly damaged, mm-hmm. but the passenger compartment would always remain intact. Because whatever way the car was designed, yes. it would start to melodge into the, the front or the back, but the compartment was like where you had your feet or whatever. Yes. Always remained intact, whether the way the 
the shell was designed, I think, it was ahead of the posse on that as well. Right, okay, yeah. They were they were ahead of the, the designs or whatever, like. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting one out to know. But then today, I suppose, on your own, your own couple of cars. You, oh, yeah. You have to, you have to, I suppose we call them, fine examples of, of, of vintage Fiat cars. Yeah, I suppose they're more classic now than vintage. Yeah. Uh, they'll be in the 1970s. Yeah. Um, the 1283P would be the car I use most in. Yeah. Um, my first car was a Fiat 128, like I said, I bought it. And uh, I kind of liked the car. It's cheap, that's why I bought it in the That's why I got into Fiat. Yeah. Um, uh, I went away from it then, like, and went off and did other things and had other cars and makes and all that. So I was kind of had it in the back of my mind that I'd like to restore the car. Yes. And those people that know me know that I used to do an awful lot of cycling, cycling racing in my younger days, and which was coming to the end of my time, I didn't want to spend any more time on the bike. Yeah. I wanted to do something else, and uh, I decided to restore one of those cars. Yeah, and because yeah. Fiat One Two Eight Three P, it mm-hmm. was a uh, sports version, I suppose, or a coupe version Very of good. the One Two Eight. It was a totally different body shape from the the three box design of the One Two Eight. Yeah, the uh, it's a coupe version, and the One Two Eight Sport, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one two eight sport which had uh, was two door <coughs> for two years and then they called it a three P which stands for three porter three door. But, all right, okay, yeah. I wish all the names sound way more exotic in Italian. It's okay though, the you the three P it still put fellas scratching their head like That's it, it's, yeah. A, it's, it, it's a bit like the the I think it's five hundred is the Chintavin. Yeah. Cintervento. Yes. And say Cinta is 600. And uh, the Mille Cinta is the 1100. That sounds exotic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the Mille Fiore, you know, that was another car. That yeah, came from the factory where the cars were produced. Oh, Mille Fiore. Right. Okay. Fiore plant. It was called the Montreal, but they called it the Mille Fiore as well. Yeah. And I think from there on in, they started giving names to cars again. And of course, they had some right. Joy, we had, we had the Ritmore. And yeah, that's what he has the one to wait. Yes. 78, 79. And the Teapot. Yeah, they, they came after that thing into, the, into the, the 80s. Yeah, and of course Uno is number one, isn't it? That's correct, yeah. yeah. That's kind of the replacement for the, the 127, I suppose. Right, yeah, yeah. They were, they were, like, they were, they were fantastic cars. They were... They were to drive, they're well, yeah, they're lovely cat to drive. If you like driving, yeah. and the good sound of them, as I said, the brakes, steering, road holding, they give you a great sense of confidence. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But going back to your own, your own, your own two cars or whatever, did you have problems in restoring them? Did you have problems with, say, obtaining parts and whatever you needed? Um. The first one I started in. 1993 mm-hmm. into 93, 94, and it was very difficult to try and get any bits and pieces or panels like. Yes. The car wasn't still 20 years old at that stage, but I suppose it was a rare enough car at the time. Yeah. And um, very rare. I was, my aunt said, was 
was a thing at the time when you would be looking buying silk with our pants and looking at magazines in England and I joined the the feet more of the Great Britain and there I was able to source a small bit of stuff from there. Yeah, okay, right. And yeah. I that car the, the first one I did, I just went down for a three and a half years, thirty nine months I think is the time I was at it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was difficult enough to get parts from that. Yeah, yeah. But then, with the that on, I did another car with her in the, in the market, and mm-hmm. the, the internet had arrived on the same thing. And then I was going to motor shows in Germany and Italy. Mm-hmm. And I met up with uh, fellas Italians, and I said, and they had all, everything you ever need. Everything but, you ever wanted, yeah. Just doors and panels and bumpers, anything you wanted. Yeah, they were just available uh, on the end of the phone. The end of the phone and the credit card. Well, no, it was uh, the, the Italians love a bit of cash they don't do. That's all right, <laughs> Johnny Cash, yeah. Uh, you'd have to have cash for them. Yeah. Uh, trying to get the stuff home from Germany and Italy was a bit of a problem, but sure, there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were fantastic, brilliant. And would you, would you go down the line of, of restoring another one? I know about halfway through one as we speak. Brilliant. But I didn't do the body work on this one. I give it to a fellow that's in the Chassis Free Club in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And he has it in prime, but it is in prime for the last three years. <gasps> yeah. And it should be to apply the final code again to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll get there. It'll get there. Yeah. You know that the first one took, as I said, 39 months. The second one, I did all the body work. Yeah. Myself, I welded, welded all the everything into it. Yeah, brilliant. But you went down for seven years altogether. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know I know the first car you done was that time I was working in Dogan's Garage in Tralee. Yeah. But, like, Anthony, that car, like, for people might be thinking 39 months, but I can tell you, folks, if you're listening this minute and if you've seen this car, this car is an absolute credit to anyone. Absolutely anyone that would it, this this car I've seen this car without carpets without seats, but this car could go in over to the Fiat factory, to their top top technician restorer, and it would be a credit to the maintenance. This car was done to the absolute T by you. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought it was very good at the time, but the second car I did. Uh, You'll be learning as you go along. You'll be learning as you go along, yeah. You see, uh, I thought I knew a lot before I started the first one, but I know three times as much by the time I finished. Yeah, yeah you've more forgotten um, now than you knew the first time. Well, then the <laughs> second time I did then, I jumped twice as much again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. So... Anthony, unfortunately, we have to kind of leave it at that. We probably stay talking cars and tractors and everything else all evening or all morning. But that's okay. And thank you for coming on with us. And we wish you the very, very best of luck with your your venture at the moment. And um, keep safe and keep at it, Anthony. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks very much, Anthony. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was Anthony O'Halloran there from... From Tralee, he's originally from North Kerry, I know Anthony was that. My father knew Anthony before me and so on and so on through cycling or whatever. But um, Anthony is a legend, an absolute gentleman there. Um, so that's, look, thanks Anthony. We're going to go to a break and um, keep, stay with us and we'll come back after this and uh, we'll talk some more about feet. Mm-hmm.
Folks, you're very welcome back. You're tuned to West Limerick 102 FM. I'm your host, Morgan O'Flaherty, with Country Life, um, covering so different makes of cars and different makes of tractors as we go along. This morning, we're we're covering Fiat cars, and before the break, there we had uh, Anthony Halloran from Trillion talking to us about about Fiat and his couple of Fiat's to three P's and what's all. Um, but now. On the phone with us, we have a a, a a good friend of mine. I know I know him with a long time. A fellow with him, Mike Buckley, and Mike, I suppose, Mike, we're going to refer to this morning as, as I suppose, Mister Fiat, Fiat Man himself. <laughs> Mike, you're very welcome, and thanks for coming on with us. No bother at all. No bother at all. Thanks, Mike. Mike, you you've dealt with with Fiat cars and Fiat whatever with um I. I'll honestly say probably longer than anybody else in the county of Kerry. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've been I've been working with them uh, mostly for 40 years now. Yeah. Yeah. So so I'd have I'd have a fair old bit of toing and froing with them. Yeah. So now they're not the biggest seller as they used to be around around here but they were a great seller in the eighties and uh, the nineties. Yeah. Um, I suppose it all started with um, Giovanni Agnelli, mm-hmm. who was the, the founder. Really, I think his father died when he was fairly young. So, I think they were all pushing in for this horseless carriage, which right. was replacing. So. Around 1899, they built their first car. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a 3.5 horsepower model. Which was probably big uh, enough at the time. Which is probably big enough at the time, considering that they were, all of them, we'll say anyone else that was going at it, were only, were only doing the same thing. Yeah. So, it started him off. Then he, I suppose, feet went... It started off there, but really, I suppose, it was, it was maybe 10 years after that, that they really got going producing cars, you know, in a, in a, in a bigger way. Yes, in a bigger and scale for the world market or whatever. In a, yes, yes. And um, they had some, some great cars in that time. Yeah. But I think by something like 1906 or thereabouts, 1907, mm-hmm. they were producing something like 1,150 cars. That's a massive amount, so, like, you know, for going so that back was, that time. Yeah, that was, a, that was a lot of cars then. Yeah. And um, they, had, they had a small staff in the beginning, but I think, I think it was around, around 1970, they reached their peak... And they produced something like 1.4 million cars. 1.4 million. Yeah, that was the peak of their thing, and they had almost a hundred thousand workers worldwide. Yeah, they had six six factories, I think, in in Italy at the time. Yeah, uh, so fantastic. Yeah, so they went on to produce cars in Brazil. There was a lot of their cars built in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, there were some iconic cars built. Um, they, I suppose, they had the fastest car. I think in 1923, the fastest car in the world. 
Brilliant. So they were going, they were going the right direction anyway. And then I think the 36, around 36, they produced the Topolino 500. Mm-hmm. And that was the start of the 500 story. And you can still get a 500 today. It's not okay, yeah. next to near. It's completely changed, but it still has the, the look. But the Topolino was the higher one. And um, it, uh, it sold well at the time. But then they went on to make the other 500. I think 57, they made the other one. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they sold very well. They were very popular. Yeah. They were two-cylinder two air-cooled. And after that then, there's so many models. There's the 600 which was um, 633cc liquid-cooled. Right. And that was a nice little car in its time. Um, at the time, speed wasn't an issue. And I think it would do between 55 and 60 miles an hour as top speed. That was fast enough, really, and truthfully, or there's some cars being produced well, I, today. I suppose it was. If we look at the car and the, the times and yeah. put it all together, I suppose it was. It was. It was quick at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you know, like, go on, yeah. Yeah, the the Uno, of course, was one of their biggest sellers ever. The Fiat the Fie Uno. The Fiat Uno came out in '83. Mm-hmm. And I think they sold nearly nine million of those. Nine million of one car. Nine. Yeah, oh. nine million of the Uno in in ten years. My God, nine million million. You could yeah, say nine hundred nine hundred thousand cars a year. Yeah, yeah, they were they were only made from eighty three to roughly ninety three. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they were one of their they were one of their biggest sellers. Now, you had the Panda, and you still have a Panda today. Mm-hmm. They brought up the Panda. It was a kind of a, a box design for all the world. Yeah. Um, um, it was very, um, very simple at the time. Even the seats were only like like a little sack. They were they were just on on little poles, and you could convert them and make. This and that, you could move around the poles inside, make all different things out of the seats until later. And they put proper built-up seats in. Right, okay, so yeah. It was very, yeah, it was very simple, very cheap car at the time, the Panda. Yeah, and we say, uh, Mike, where did they get the ideas, you know, because, John, you know, when you said there now about the seats and, and the poles and all this, I watched a, a documentary there recently, and it was on about the Russian side of it. And there, there was a, it was a Moscovich that was produced right. in Russia in the sixties or the seventies, and they uh-huh. they had the same type of seats as that. There was no, there was no slider on the seats. We'll call it. Yeah, yeah, you could yeah, just, yeah. You could yeah. you move the whole seat. You t- you could move it into different holes. Yeah, you move it back that's around. right. That was yeah. That was that was the way. That was the way they did it at the time. The yeah. Panda. Yeah, yeah. It, the, around nineteen eighty eighty one, the Panda came out with that. That design. Yeah, brilliant. It was cheap and cheerful the, for the. Like, they were, yeah, they were cheap at the time, but uh, the, later on, then I suppose they had to. Uh, 
every model has to get beefed up a bit as it goes along, I suppose. So they they put in the bigger seats and they a better finish on the inside. Yeah, yeah. So that I suppose you cannot sell the same model all the time without a bit of a change. Yeah, yeah. To yeah. get the uh, to get the people to 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 reinvest or to change the one they have. Yeah, and I suppose like. I, you know, even I was talking there before the ad break. We were talking to Anthony, Anthony O'Halloran, which you know, of course. And oh yeah, yeah. Anthony was on about his P3s, but you know, we were saying like, even I remember my father having a one two seven, and uh-huh. the one two seven to me, we we well, they come now a standard, obviously, but it had what we call at the time way more extras than probably the Fiesta at the same time. At the same time, yeah. You know, yeah. It seemed to have more stuff in it and more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. more luxuries, as we call it. That's right, yeah. The yeah. 127 were... Uh, they were a really good cab in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a bit of corrosion problems, I suppose, but they were really a good cab. Yeah. They were one of the first cars, I suppose, that they got the front-wheel drive fairly right or a lot most cars were rear wheel drive at the time yeah and well the mini of course was before it and things and that was the Citroen but uh, they had they had a few unique things and one was the transverse rear spring the lead spring went straight across the back right yes which was supposed to improve the handling and they they were a good car to handle in that time Mm -hmm. and I think at the time as well, they also tried, safety was only, I suppose, starting to come in, then, you know, as in seat belts and stuff appearing in cars. But one of the things they brought in in the 127 that time in 71 was, you know, the articulated steering column, they called it. Right. Where if you had a crash, there were special washers on the steering column and it would collapse and the steering would fold out and go out towards the windscreen out of your way. Oh, brilliant, yeah. And they had that at the time, which was which was a new a new, a new, new thing at the time, a new ID. Yeah, So yeah. It's, got, it's come a long way since, all these things, but they, they, were, they were one of the cars they had tried that for the first time. You know, it's interesting how you say that because Anthony said there before the break, he said that um, when he worked in McElligot's, he remembers cars coming in that were crashed. And he remembers, uh-huh. like, the whole front of the car would be, like, we'll say, melodian, that it'd be all crushed yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The back yeah. of it could be the same, but the, the passenger cabin would, he reckoned, well, yeah. would, would hold up a lot better than other mates yeah. at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. It would, it would crumple at both ends, but, but the... Where the passenger, well, where the driver and passenger wouldn't deform that much. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. yeah. They, they even, they kept on to that. They moved on, we'll say, with that idea, even on to the later ones, mm-hmm. where the engine and gearbox, the, the the mountings are designed to break. So when you do hit something, your engine and gearbox actually drops down, and the car rides over it. Right. Okay. Yes. Rather than rather than it coming in to through the floor, so. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And would would you say that Fiat? We say you've worked in lots of different types and brands of cars. Would you say were Fiat out there? Were they? Did they shove their ideas out there? Did they? Were they ahead of the market? We call it. They they 
the time, I think with some of their models, they were ahead. But some people were cautious at the time, you know, they just wanted something simple. They were maybe a lot of people were fearful of trying new stuff. Yes. You know, they had the traditional Ford and Opel and whatever, Vauxhall, and they... They, they were sceptical about feet, but really and truly, they made some very good cars and with some great engines, and yeah. they were probably ahead that way, you know. Yeah, and I suppose, like you know, like you said, they were probably they were probably ahead and all that. But you know, we were saying there that they suffered a bit from rust, and they did, yeah. but was that due to the Irish climate, or was it due to? Or, or oh. Did it happen all over the place? I suppose it was due to the Irish climate. We, I suppose, we get too much rain, you see, and nearly every every car, I suppose, has its faults. But you know, water gets trapped in certain areas, and it never dries out if you don't get the weather or whatever. Yeah. But the the dirt of the road gets up, the water soaks into it, and each car has places that 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 happens to. So, I suppose. If they were in other countries, they or they were in other countries, but I suppose they came out way better. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Yeah, there's models. There are models now in Italy and places even, and uh, for sale. They're one two sevens, and they're 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 immaculate all the time. Yeah, you know, the 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 I suppose yeah, damp damp yeah. conditions don't suit yeah, everything. Yeah, with like. yeah, with too much dampness here, I suppose, too yeah. much rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you said, they were a fantastic car. I would say I know, I I I know you have Fiat's at the moment, and you're driving Fiat's. But mm-hmm. would you, we say, even the modern Fiat, if there was a Fiat car there this minute, would you be inclined to recommend it to someone over over another brand? Oh, I would. Yeah, there'd be no problem. There'd be no problem like that. The only thing that has happened now is, you know, a lot of the brands not alone feet they're converging with other brands like we'll say feet are they're chrysler now they're they're feet chrysler right and then lately they have joined up with psa which is the peugeot the french mm-hmm. so you'll so you'll see a lot of peugeot engines and stuff like that appearing in the feats. yes so yeah it won't be Hundred percent of feet. If if they if that that's the way it works now with with a lot of makes anyway. And of course, Fiat Fiat is Ferrari, and Fiat. Am I right in saying that's that right. they're Maserati? That's right. They 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 there were several brands involved there: Maserati and Alfa Romeo, of course. Yeah. And all those, yeah. And, and um, now they have Chrysler, Jeep, all those. But yeah, they're Lancia, of course. Yeah, and of course, wasn't it, what's his name? Was it Enzo Ferrari? Have I the name right to design, right. design the first Beetle? That's right, that's so right, that's right. You could, you could tie the Beetle onto the Fiat then as well, like. You, know? <laughs> uh-huh. you wouldn't know, they'd be all involved with one another. Oh. Yeah, there was some there was some nice some nice stuff built, all right. There was, I yeah. looked out through the years, yeah. And we say out of all the Fiat cars that you've worked on and you have, you've seen or whatever... And if there was a full line of them in front of you this minute, and you were told, right, Mike, you can have whichever one you want. You want. Yeah, I would probably go for the Marie Fiori, the one three one. 
Yeah. The, they they changed the model in seventy eight mm-hmm. to eighty one, and that particular model was 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 a beauty to me. Yeah. Lovely lovely car to drive. Really quiet. Really smooth. Now they built the one after that called the FL, which is the facelift model, mm-hmm. but. The, the the middle one was the nicest one of the of the three models built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I suppose, like you said, they did suffer a bit from rust. And I suppose, I thought their biggest thing was they didn't have, I suppose they didn't have a great after sales. Or you'd probably buy a Fiat yeah. a little cheaper than a Toyota second hand market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And I suppose even the vintage crowd now aren't really into Fiats as such, like. So, yeah, well, you have a collector, I suppose, for every model, but, um, you know, the, the percentage, the percentage that collect feeds, I suppose, is lower than a lot of other things. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. but, but uh, some models, some models are still making big money. Yeah, I see yeah. the, five, the 500s there, the old 500s, they're making massive money out at the moment. Yeah, they're, they're, um, yeah. Yeah, they're just not there, and they're scarce, and there's fellas looking that's for it. them. And, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was too many of them thrown away, I suppose. Yeah, they were buried inside the bogs and everything, but they are there, and sure, look, people dig out. And we say, like, um, were feats, were feats in general, were they a hard car to work on? You know, yeah. We said last they... last week with Dave Corn on, he was talking about um. The Shamrock car, which was one oh, yeah. was built in three, but he was telling us to change the wheel in the Shamrock car. You actually had to take off the back axle. Oh. So you know how would you compare yeah. that then to some of the feats that you've yeah. seen over the years? Well, a lot of people, a lot of a lot of mechanics in general, I suppose, didn't like to work on feats. But if you like any maker car, if you were working on them for a while. Mm-hmm. You you know what's going on. You know the tools. You know the what's happening, and uh, they were quite a nice car to work on. Yeah, you know they wouldn't be as simple as maybe a few other makes of that time now, right. but uh, they were still a nice car to work on when you got into them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we say, I suppose, other than that, you know, like they're they're still there. They're still available. Like they're they're becoming very collectible, probably. Like. Over the years or whatever. Oh, they are, yeah. Um, people are looking for my. There's always ads looking for the models that are, I suppose, well and truly gone now. Yeah. Which, you know, one thirties, one three twos. They're all. They're all looking for them now at the moment. Um, uh, obviously five hundreds, six hundreds. Um, they. They're, they're looking for all those models, and of course, one of their famous ones was the one two four Spider. Yeah, which uh, which makes mass money, and there was uh, an abat version of that, which is I don't know. There's only so many of them left in the world. There's, there's actually one in Kerry, I think, but um, they're they're very rare. Yeah, and you know, you, you were saying there that the 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 was the one two four Spider was that. Would that have been the same as the Seat Spider, or were they a different yeah, car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feet and Seat—they built more or less the the same 
them the same um, the same thing. So the, there would have been a lot of the a lot of the feats turned up under the SAID badge as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 That was Auto Bianchi. They were all the they were all the one. They were all they were all the one model with different badges, more or less. I would say, I suppose, if you were to restore, you know, a Fiat tomorrow morning, are, are parts, is, is it, are parts accessible for kind of all brands of Fiat's, or, you know, especially the vintage Fiat, like? Oh, they're, I suppose they're, they're gettable, but not that easy, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, yeah. I suppose, you'd need, you'd really need a contact in Italy. Right, okay, uh, yes. To, to, there's few bits reproduced and things like that, but you'd really need an Italian contact anyway to get some stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, Mike, that's kind of it. We're kind of running a bit short in time. So we, a- we appreciate you coming on and thank you very much for your time and your help and your knowledge. No problem. Thank you very much, Steve. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Mike. We appreciate that. Thanks, Mike. Bye. That was Mike Buckley there. Mike is, um, I know Mike with a long time. Mike's a good friend of mine. Um, Mike is the Fiat, Fiat Ireland, we'll, we'll call Mike. Um, Mike is working in Fiat cars over 40 years. I know Mike with, I suppose, 23 or 4 years plus. Um, and thanks to Mike and his wife, Mary and all them. We know them all. And thanks for coming on with us. And um, appreciate your time and your help. Um, I was like, we're going to go to an ad break and we had a plan for after the ad break to talk to a man about the Fiat tractor range but I'm going to tell you what I know about Fiat tractors after the ad break if you can stay with us for about another maybe 10 or 15 minutes How you doing folks? You're very welcome back You're tuned to West Limerick 102 FM I'm your host Morgan O'Flaherty um, This morning we're talking about Fiat Fiat cars, Fiat tractors, Fiat machinery, whatever. Um, and earlier on there, we had Anthony O'Halloran on. He spoke to us about Fiat and his his experience with Fiat and sales and, and whatnot and his Fiat P3s and so on. And just before the ad break there, we had Mike Buckley. Mike has worked on Fiat cars for over 40 years. I, I would be fairly certain in saying that Mike possibly has worked on Fiat cars longer than anyone else in, in, in the county of Kerry or Limerick or Munster or whatever. Um, Mike's a legend, an absolute gentleman, and thanks again, lads, for that. Now, we had a man lined up to talk to us about Fiat tractors and his experience with Fiat tractors, but unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances, was what we call it, um, the man can't come on with us, um, no fault of his own, no fault of whatever, just one of those things, he just... It didn't happen. So I'm going to maybe tell you what I have discovered, I suppose, my own bit of knowledge about Fiat and whatever. And maybe I've done a small bit of research there the, 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 other, the other evening about it as well. And um, I'm going to maybe bore you for the next maybe five or ten minutes about that. Um, I suppose like Mike and Anthony both said, Fiat was formed in 1899 as a car company, but it took about ten years um, to get it off the ground and start making making cars and whatever they didn't really produce their their first car until kind of we say 1909 then they went on and they started producing tractors in around 1910 um, this was all going well and all going according to plan but World War One happened so 
there was a delay then and, and whatever. There was very few tractors produced in 1910. Um, there were kind of only, I would, when I, from what I can figure out, there were kind of only prototypes that were produced in 1910. Um, I'd say maybe trial and error, kind of, you know, kind of as we used to say ourselves here, make it up as we go along. Um, but in 1919, that's when Fiat um, really got into the tractor, tractor, tractor market. And um, they acquired a company, um, it was, the name of the company was OM. What OM means, it's above above my pay grade. But they took that over in 1933. OM was an existing agricultural company. And kind of in 1933, that's when Fiat tractors really took off. Um, they just took off, they went into the market, they, they had tractors, they... they they like they were so they were so advanced, like they were they were definitely to me they were definitely they were a bit like the David Brown and the David Brown didn't, I suppose, reach his peak probably until the the seventies. But like feet were so advanced in nineteen thirty nine, feet had a tractor that would run on anything. It was running any kind of a liquid, a liquid, um, fuel. It would run on gas. It would run on petrol, it would run on diesel, it would run on kerosene, it would run on any kind of a liquid fuel at the time. Like, they they built this tractor because, like, they didn't want it at the time. It would also run on alcohol, by the way. Um, they didn't want to be making petrol tractors and diesel tractors and whatnot. They wanted to build one tractor to keep the cost down and um, to keep the cost down of producing the tractor. And just, I suppose, get it out there, and they were able to send it to Russia, as where they, where they could run it on vodka, or they could send it to Ireland, where they could run it on petrol, or they could send it to America, where they could run it on diesel. Um, that's kind of what they done, and it it was a massive, massive success. Um, went on in in World War Two happened, as we all know, and in the in the forties, and the factory again shut down for World War Two, and. They they started doing repairs to armored cars and armored vehicles and armored tanks during World War Two. Um, the Fiat company themselves kept the factory going because they wanted to hang on to their staff. They had trained their staff in the making of tractors and the making of cars and whatever. So they they didn't want them going out to the front lines and getting killed and having to retrain them. So the Fiat company went to the Italian government, and they said, "Look, we will, we will." Um, what you call it? We'll do repairs for you. We'll do repair running repairs. So they repaired an awful lot of the, of the of the Fiat stuff and whatever, and um, they repaired tanks, cars, or whatever, and all, all, all along that um kind of thing. I'm throwing my bit of paper here. So it kind of went on that they went back into action again after after World War Two, and in in 1960s. I suppose feet were getting big. Feet were getting the the feet at this stage now were there were a company to be reckoned with, is what we call it. Like they started they started I suppose acquiring companies or they started buying up companies or whatever way you want to put it. Like just to give you an example here, I have a couple of names written out. Um they from very early on, kinda of the nineteen sixties, they have they started Fiat Versatile. They they acquired Alice Chambers. 
everyone has seen if well I won't say everyone but the feet Alice the feet Alice dozer um in the 1960s then I could be wrong on my 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 ear or no but they're thereabouts um they took over um they took over Heston at the time Heston was an American company and Heston was producing forage equipment um silage equipment and um so on and so on like that but Fiat wasn't so they took on Heston to get into the the silage and the tillage or the, that kind of the, the grass corn side of the of the farming so they they acquired Heston which for forage equipment of course later on in the 90s um they have Hitachi they Fiat bought out Ford, bought out New Holland, they bought out Case. And if you want to go down that road then, they have David Brown and they have all them. Now, a lot of people think that Ford and New Holland took over Fiat. It wasn't. It was Fiat took over Ford and New Holland and Case and all that. Um, like, they used in... So at the time, there was a decision made in the 90s that... Um, the New Holland was a, a, a Ford, I suppose, was a better name and a more worldwide known name. So they dropped the Fiat name, kind of. There was Fiat Agri, kind of, for a while up until around 97, 98, there, thereabouts, I'm thinking. Um, and the last of the Fiats to produce, to be produced, were kind of the, the F-130s and the F, what, that range of Fiats. Of course, they also produced the 11090s and the 190s and all them, which is very, very fast becoming a massively, a massive collector's tractor. Um, but like, even going on to the, the, the tractors and all that, like, Fiat licensed their, their, their thing. Like, I'm just looking through a thing here. Like, they, there's, they, they, since the 1920s, I'm not even going to try and pronounce half of them. There's, Pavlos in 1920, OM in 1932, Agrifol in 1977, Tassilina in 1977, sorry, Heston 1977, Alfa Romero, Asomus, Fiat Alice, Ford New Holland 1991, Leverda Harvesting Machinery in 1975, Bordar in 1984, and in 2000, Case International. Um, like feet are a massive company now they also built um different tractors and different um different they, they licensed them out we call it to different companies like you've agritech in argentina osto feet in austria bozok in turkey dun fan hong it's in china um, where else have we gone? Feet, Cordor, Argentina, New Holland, Feet, Gazi, in I don't know where that is, and then there's another tractors in Pakistan, Feet OM, Feet Somoso in France, Feet Agrifol, Feet Globe Star in South Korea, Feet Slam in Romania, Hart in Romania, Heston, USA. ITMCO in Iran. Um, there's another one here for South Korea. There's another one for South Korea. I'm going to try and pronounce them. There's a, a must is something in Spain. Parma in Argentina. Sepa in Italy. Um, there's another China one. There's a, 
store in Lucaslavia. And then there is, of course, we all know, well, we won't say we all know, but we would be aware of it, the Thomason tractor, which is a turkey-built tractor, which is now for sale here. Fiat-built tractors for them. Um, there's another one for Turkey. And, of course, the one we probably all know more than more than anything is the Universal tractor, which was for sale here for a long time. And they, they were licensed out to Universal in Romania. So they were all Fiat tractors. Now, I did look it up to see what numbers um, Fiat had built over the years, but I, I couldn't. Like, like, like Mike said there, and I think uh, Anthony said it as well, in 1977... Um, they had 1.2 million cars built at that stage. Like 1977 was 42 years ago. Um, like they, the amount of stuff they had acquired since is just, like I'm just going through it here, Argentina, they had just, there's lists of countries that they licensed out the stuff to. And like, you could talk about the ladder, the Fiat, one two, I think it was the Fiat one two four. Probably shooting something. The radio now saying it's wrong. Fiat licensed that to the the Russians because the Russians wanted to build a car. Uh, I think the numbers were something like in America at that time, there was one car for every five people, and in Russia at the time there was something like one car for every fifty people, something like that. So the Russians wanted um, a cheap and cheerful car, so they went to Fiat, and. Um, of course, they also they also at the time approached different companies um, in the UK. Um, I think there was a couple of different companies approached, but they made a deal anyway with Fiat, and um, it went on to produce the ladder. But it wasn't the exact same as the Fiat One Two Four. I think there was something I read about it one time, and they said there was eight hundred differences between the Fiat One Two Four and the ladder, and then the ladder went on. And the Russians licensed that again to to Lithuania, and they licensed it out again. I think to some place in South Korea. So it's you could actually say the Fiat One Two Four is probably the most built car in the world. Um, you know, people say it's the Volkswagen. Some people say it's the Mini. But if you were to go the 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 Fiat One Two Four, and it's we'll call it its associates, it's whatever. The Fiat 124 is probably the largest produced car in the world. So, for those of you that don't, that mightn't like Fiat or whatever, and even what Mike said there a while ago, Mike Buckley was on before the ad break, he said the Fiat Uno, the Fiat Uno built 9 million cars in 10 years. They sold 9 million cars in 10 years. Like, that's, that's, that's a colossal amount. And like, if you think Fiat have Ferrari, they have... Maserati, they have Alfa Romero, they have, I have a list of them here, they have Heston, they have Alice Chambers, they have Ford, they have Hitachi, they have New Holland, they have David Brown, they have Case, they, like there, and if you look them up, if you want to look them up yourself, CNH Global, that's the name of the company, CNH Global, um, that we've, we've probably all heard of Atco, Atco's Massey Ferguson, Valtra, um, a couple of more brands like that, but CNH Global, probably not as known as Adco or whatever, but CNH Global is is Fiat. That's Fiat. They're the they're the the kings. They're they're the lead, world leaders. And like I said, I thought myself that Ford New Holland were after taking over Fiat, but no, the other way around. Fiat took over Ford New Holland. Um, 
I suppose that's kind of it about feet. I hope you enjoyed it. You know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to Mike and Auntie, and thanks again to the lads um, for their input or whatever. Um, so we're going to go to a, kind of a different subject now for a few minutes. Um, a good friend of mine passed away last week. Um, a lot of you might know him. A lot of you probably did know him and mightn't have known he passed away and didn't even know who he was. Um, a fellow by the name of Mike O'Neill. Um, Mike O'Neill came on with us last September talking to us about Campfest. Now, for those of you who don't know Campfest, Campfest is a group of guys that get together from all around Ireland and they come back to camp in West Kerry um, every kind of September, October. And they have a weekend there behind the camp and they do a few raffles for charity or whatever. And we spoke to Mike um, last September on Campfest and on his love for Volkswagens or whatever. And um, we were due to, we would have spoke to him again. And I actually spoke to Mike going back about five weeks ago on the phone. And Mike has a love for railway. He's a, he's a passionate man for railway, for for all vintage, for his pub, for his people, for his country, for everything. And um, we were supposed to swap around photographs or whatever of the railways. But look, we didn't get to it. That's it. Um, but Mike was a, a, a legend. A lot of you know him from his pub. He had a pub called the Railway Tavern. It was there just about 10 miles outside Tralee, heading back towards Dingle. There's two pubs on the right-hand side. One of them's the Railway Tavern. And the other one is... Mike's is the Railway Tavern. I forget what the other one is. And Mike was there. You'd know Mike anyway. Mike had the beard. He had the big long beard. And there was a sign up inside the bar saying... Um, don't, mind, don't, mind, don't mind the dog. Watch out for the owner. And um, that was Mike. And I suppose I worked for Mike when I was 12 or 13 years of age. Behind in the bar collecting glasses. And now I suppose I never got a chance to say this to Mike. And I never did say it to him. And I suppose I haven't said it to a lot of people. But that was probably my first job that I was getting paid for on a, on a weekly basis. I just worked there every Sunday evening collecting glasses. But I suppose I, I worked maybe there for a year and a half, maybe two years. I probably learned more there, and I didn't realise it. I learned more about work. I learned more about... I met, I met some fantastic people. I'm not, I'm not a great pub-going person, so... I met some fantastic characters that were there at the time that have since passed away. But there were the local characters, there were the local people and the local this and that. And I met him through Mike and Mike's wife Anne and all this and my sympathies to Mike and his family. And, you know, I could go on about Mike all day, but we can't. We're, we're, we're probably running very short on time as it is now. Um, but look, my sympathies to, to, to Mike's family there in camp and... Uh, the reason I brought it up on West Limerick Radio is because a lot of you might know him. Because I think Mike, um, I could be completely wrong in saying this, you know, I don't think I am. Mike was a qualified electrician. And Mike served his time over in a Hanish in, uh, in Lumina. And um, oh, so, like, a lot of you might know him. Mike O'Neill, he was originally from Clahan, the pub and camp. And Mike, may you rest in peace. And... My dearest, dearest sympathies to your, your your wife and your family and your your massive, massive circle of friends um, that know you throughout the years. You will be missed. And uh, Mike, you were a legend. And thank you for the memories. Now, I suppose on a, a slightly cheerful note, a bit of an upper note before we go. Um, I suppose, look, we have the YouTube channel. We're working on that. 
and we're putting up a video maybe every week or 10 days there's a couple of videos gone up there again of kind of more modern machinery cutting silage um very easy to find it go on to youtube and type in morgan o'flaherty um you get it up please like and subscribe to the channel we'll try and put up a video of kind of we're going to try and look we'll do what we have to do but we're kind of going to maybe do reviews of tractors and this that and everything else i have a, a 6610 ford lined up to do a review on that maybe by next friday someday next week so keep an eye on it um other than that where i have patrick there has set us up um a podcast kind of a thing so we're on spotify we're on your your favorite podcast apps and whatnot and if you go on to Google again and type in Morgan O'Flaherty Country Life, which is the name of the, the radio program, um, you'll find us as well. So hopefully this program will be up on on the podcast maybe about 12 or 1 o'clock today. So if you have a friend out there that might be interested in fates or maybe thought it was something interesting, go on it and share it and send it out to your friends and leave them listen to it. And there's also the one up from last week from David Brown. There's the one the week before, which we spoke about. Sorry, the one last week was um, the the Shamrock car. The week before was the David Brown. The week before that was the Ford car. So they're all up there. Get up there and check them out and share them and send them out to your friends and see what they think of them. And go easy on the comments. And we're, we're very novice at this and whatever. And sure, look, we'll be making it up as we go along. But that's kind of it for myself. Um... We've Dave Corn lined up again for next Friday morning. Dave Corn is going to talk to us about the the DeLorean motor car. A lot of you might know the DeLorean, but I bet you all do not. If you've ever, ever watched the Back to the Future film, the DeLorean was the car from the Back to the Future film, which was actually built in Belfast. So that's our plan for next Friday morning. So hopefully you'll be around and tune in with us. And keep safe. Stay out there. And... Um, do what you have to do and suppose we're, we're, we're down to a five mile radius for for the now stay within that if you have to and essential travel only and thanks again to the the hospital staff that might be listening this morning you're doing a fantastic job thanks to the postman the hospital staff truck drivers couriers the list goes on you know these are essential workers and we salute you and if i've forgotten to mention you, mention you i'm very very sorry and of course, most of all, thanks to Patrick. Patrick is the man here. He does the um, he does the editing and the polishing and whatever, and makes us sound some bit professional in a way. And he's looking after the um, the podcast as well for me. Thanks, Patrick. I owe you big time. And stay safe out there, guys. And um, hopefully, we'll talk to you next Friday about DeLoreans. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Bye. Now. You have been listening to Country Life, Morgan O'Flaherty on West Limerick One Hundred Two FM.